We're praying. And the church said, Amen. I want us to clap our hands and just bless the Lord tonight. And give him glory and honor because he's faithful. He's a good God. Hallelujah to the Lord tonight. Amen. We want to give thanks to the Lord and I want to bless the Lord for our lives, for the mercy of God and for the grace of God. Tonight we're going to move into another dimension. The Lord began to speak specifically to us uh, with regards to the place of purpose in our lives as believers. It's critical that we understand that purpose plays a role in who we become, in who we are, in who we're going to become. I believe we're a becoming people. Hallelujah. We're becoming people. That is why it is very wrong for anybody to write us off. Nobody can write you off because you are a becoming person. If anybody says, well, that's all we can have of you, tell them, the God that I serve says, I'm a becoming man. Uh, that's what the scripture tells us. God is in the business of changing his people. God is never tired of working in our lives and through our lives. We started by looking at what is purpose. We mentioned in the book of Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21, we all remember the Bible tells us many are the plans and the hearts of a man, but the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. Another version of the Bible says, the counsel of the Lord or the purpose of God will prevail. Isaiah chapter 46 in verse 10. This is what the scripture tells us in Isaiah 46 in verse 10. The scripture says, Word to him who says to his father. Now 46, I'm reading the wrong passage. 46 verse 10 says, Declaring the hand, I read from verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. For I am God, and there is no like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things that are not yet done. Saying, my purpose shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. This is the Lord speaking. He said, my purpose will do what? We stand. In other words, you may have plan, I may have plan, but God's purpose, we stand. I want us to turn to the book of Isaiah 55. What does the scripture say in verse 11? Isaiah 55. In verse 11, the scripture says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I purpose. And it shall, proper in the, it shall prosper in the things for which I sent it. So we understand from that scriptures that God's purpose will prosper. It says, I will accomplish, I will accomplish what I propose. So that is a divine purpose of God that shall be accomplished. In the book of Isaiah chapter 14, let's turn back to Isaiah 14. Isaiah chapter 14. The book of Isaiah chapter 14, the scripture says in verse 24, the scripture declares, it says, The Lord God of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely as I have proposed, so it shall come to pass. As I have proposed, so it shall stand. This is God speaking. As I have proposed, 
it shall come to pass. As I proposed, it shall stand. All the scriptures we've read tonight point to the fact that God's purpose is supreme. That's what we've been learning in the last three weeks. And last week, the Lord began to speak to us about purpose, potential, and gifts. Tonight, I'd like to speak shortly with us tonight on what I call the essentials of destiny. The essentials of destiny. After we have discovered God's purpose for our lives, and we've discovered the giftings of God. Remember we mentioned that some of the ways by which we discover what God has called us to do is a reflection of the gift of God in your life. What is it that you are passionate about? The gift of God in your life is a reflection of the purpose of God. Many people wait and fast and ask, Oh God, what is it that you have called me to do? Or what is your purpose for my life? It's very simple. What is your passion? In what areas are you best fitted when it comes to the kingdom of God? What is your area of connection? What makes you happy? To some people, challenge is a stimulant. When they are challenged, they are stimulated to do better. To some other people, what annoys them is a pointer to what God has called them to do. And to some of us, our past is a major hammy in our lives. Each time you look back, you say, no, I don't want to go back there. You move forward and you do things differently. Now, those are three dimensions in which people discover what is it that God has called me to do. Tonight, we're taking it a little further because there are some essentials to destiny. And we want to take a look at just three of them tonight and we will pray. And we will trust God that our lives will never remain the same again. But the grace of God, I have an opportunity to teach. I teach what I call transformation in my class. And it's amazing when I teach transformation in functions in man. For many of us who are familiar with function, that is what they call the, you know, the absolute value function, the square root function, the all sorts of function that we have in math. But one of the things I discover is that each time I teach function, it teaches me a lesson. That when you are given values, there is a particular point in which the direction of your graph grow, goes. But by the introduction of certain other variables in your life, which we call X factors, your graph can do two things. Shrink or stretch. The math students know what I'm talking about. <laughs> your graph will either what? Shrink or stretch. I taught this semester after semester. And one day I was just praying and my spirit just got caught on transformation. And it's a sieve that in life as believers, we have two ways to go. It's either we're stretching or we're shrinking. When we came to know the Lord Jesus, Jesus provided a platform for a consistent experience with God for us. But you see, what happens after that depends on certain factors and variables of our relationship with him. 
Have we noticed there are two believers who gave their lives at the same day, in the same place, at the same time, but when you see those two believers five years after, they are completely different in their spiritual frequency. What is the cause of it? This is, this is the key part. What is the cause of the difference? And in drawing the curve, you will understand that certain factors have been responsible in either of their lives to them growing or to them not growing. And these are issues that are very critical to our lives as believers. I was reading a story by Leonard Ravenhill. Many of us remember him. He wrote the book that I read. I know many of us probably have seen that book. Why Reviver Tarries. I don't know how many of us have seen that book before. Incredible book. Why Reviver Tarries. Leonard Ravenhill. One of his children came to Philadelphia while we were there to teach on Reviver for about three nights. Ravenhill. And that man said, he was telling a story of three of about four men, of about tourists, a group of tourists, who went to Europe. They went to a particular village in Europe, and when they got to the village in Europe, what they did was that they saw a couple of elderly villagers, and some of them was very curious. You know, some of them were very curious, and one of them asked one of the older men and said, have any great men, you know, emerged from this village? The man said, nope. We only had babies out of this village. And the man said, it occurred to him that in life, all of us were born babies. But what we become after depends how far we stretch. God has given us grace. The grace that God has given to each of us is not different in quality. May I say it again? The grace of God that came upon us at salvation is not different in what? In quality. Because the source of the grace is the same source. It is the blood that was shed on the cross. Don't forget, at salvation, your destiny and the purpose of God for your life became activated. Now the question is, what happens after that experience is hope to any of us. No one, the man said, no one has been fully equipped by God just to succeed against the other. Very interesting material. Says, but what he has observed after many years of his, many years of ministry is that some have made a choice to stretch. Ever say stretch. I used to think that. I had so many brilliant people when I was in elementary school. And I used to think they were genius. It's because they were genius, that's why they were like that. Many of us who have been through low time educationally or academically would know suddenly something in your life just changed. You used to think others were special and you look at them up there. But immediately something changed in your life. You observe that really they're not different from me. Maybe sometimes somewhere in your own life you were so playful, you never took time to read, to study. So you look at them as being special. I remember that's one of the reasons why a lot of people cheated. Not because they couldn't do it, but because they couldn't see themselves in those shoes of being better, of getting to a point of relevance academically. 
But they were not genius. The truth about the matter is, many of them had qualities that many of us never paid attention to. Many of them listened to teachers. Many of them read after class, which many of us never did. We just went to school, and by the following day, we were looking for a uniform. Where is it? And you don't even remember you, were, you belong to that class. I mean, people go to school and wonder, what class do I belong? How would that be different? But some people stretched. And that's why, even in life, when it comes to our destiny and the pursuit of the purpose of God, we must be very careful that the people we're looking up there could be people who have stretched themselves beyond the limits that many of us considered impossible. Stretching. How is it? I wrote down two sentences here. When we stretch, we reach. When we shrink, we fail. That's what happens. When we do what? When we stretch, we reach. When we shrink, we fail. And we complain. Why don't we, why is it that many of us don't stretch? I'm going to tell us tonight. It is not because we don't want to. In fact, many of us started out to stretch. But somehow, we reach a particular point when it becomes lonely to stretch. We decided to slow down. I remember vividly when I first gave my life to Christ, I met a younger brother, not a younger brother, a brother who told me a very interesting story. He said, oh, you just gave your life to Christ? I said, yes. How long ago? I said, about two weeks ago. He said, <laughs> you don't even know anything that is going on yet. You're such a new believer. He said, I give you two years. Ah, you will know what is going on here. Each time I remember what he said, I remember his face. He said, I give you two years. I was a bit afraid. I said, what am I going to do? He had become complacent. When I wake up in the morning, I was a young Christian. I was always spending time, in, you know, in quiet time. I would pray, I would study. He would look at me and say, I'll give you two years. <laughs> he would walk away. And I said, what is I mean, I struggled when I gave my life to Christ. And the last thing that I needed was somebody to tell me, I'll give you two years. So I was expectantly looking for the two years. Maybe something usually happened to believers after two years. But somehow, it's now about 20 years now, 21 years. Never look back. So it was a lie. It was all a lie at the end of the day, after all. What am I saying tonight? Many of us stopped stretching because some people said certain things to us. I remember somebody, as you wonder, why do I have all these stories? Somebody told me one time, he said, don't study the Bible too much. He said, when you study the Bible too much, it affects your mental status. He said, you know, you read a little and you pray much. God will understand. I'm telling you. I mean, these are evangelical churches, youth groups. And the man looked at me because I just was in love with God. I just wanted to know him. And I was studying. He called me and said, ah, we don't do too much. He gave me stories and stories of people who write too much. And the troubles they had. And I said, okay, I will take it easy. I said, okay, I won't read too much. But years after, eventually I got to meet another brother. Who, when I thought I was studying, he was studying three times more than I was, I was studying. And he was the best academically in his class. I said, okay, now we got it. So this is not going to really impact me academically wrongfully. So why can't I spend time and know God the more? 
influence of people. They could affect us from stretching. Number two, we could stop stretching because of the fear of the unknown. In our lives, many of us have tried things that never worked and we stopped trying. Why? Because we felt we couldn't succeed because of the fear of what is going to happen. What will people say to me? What will they say? Because I've refused. Because I've tried and tried and I failed. Fear of the unknown. Number two, or number three, many of us, there are some people who stop stretching, not because they cannot make it or because of anything is going to order than that they thought they've got it made. There are people who thought they have achieved to a particular level and they thought they have arrived and they do not need to stretch anymore. Now let me say this loud and clear to us tonight. Spiritually, we never arrive. Paul the apostle says in Philippians chapter 3, he says, well, it was in verse 10, verse 11, verse 12. It's an incredible, I think I want to read that. Let's see what it says in Philippians chapter 3. I'd like us to listen to what Paul the apostle says. This is about 27 years after Paul had been functional and had been used of God tremendously in bringing the church to a degree of maturity. Let's hear what Paul said in verse 10. He says, that I may know him. <laughs> Paul the apostle, a man of great wit and strength and knowledge, he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, be made conformable unto his death. After several years, he said that I may know him. He was dissatisfied. There is, there is something about spiritual relationship with God. I have found out the closer you are to God, the more dissatisfied you become with your state. And I believe tonight, I stand to be corrected, that Enoch got so used to being dissatisfied, he just wanted God at all costs. And in the process of working with him, God said, we've been, we've been friends for so long. Can you come up with me instead of me coming over every day? Let's go together. Let's be together. And then they said, why they were talking, an old preacher said, why they were talking, Enoch was talking with God and talking with God and discussing and sharing God's mind. He forgot that he had left the earth and by the time he looked back, oh, it's too late, I can't go back there. Because it's such, so much treasure. It was a good opportunity to talk with his father. And he said, you know what, let me stay back here. I will not bother to go back. All of us know as church that Enoch is one man today and Elijah that are yet to see death. They did not die physically. Do we, believe, do we see that in the scriptures? They did not die. Why? Because the man stretched. He reached out to God. He didn't start out as a believer. The first three, the first 65 years of the life of Enoch wasn't to Christ, wasn't to God. He began to walk with God at about the age of 65. So he didn't start as a young child. But for another 300 years, Enoch walked with God. The Bible says, and he was not. For God took him. Stretching. Stretching. Number four or number five. There are people who don't want to be different in life. Have you noticed that? We love to be in the crowd. We don't want to be distinct. Sometimes to be distinct is a lot of work because it puts you on the spot. Hallelujah. I notice this from time to time. There are people who are afraid to be distinct. They are afraid to be different. 
But God wants us to know tonight, for you to accomplish your destiny, you, you will cross certain junctions of your life where you're different. You're different in your thought pattern. You're different in your values. You're different in your way of life. Everybody says, this is where we're going. But you just said to yourself, I've read God's word. This is what it says to me. This is where the world, the world wants to go. You may, but I cannot. I'm under constraint. My life is under the grace of God. There are things others will, but I cannot do it. How many of us have noticed in the offices before, you see them coming together in groups to gossip, but somehow there's a spirit in you that says, no, you do not belong in that company. You don't belong there. In fact, some of us have sat down, but five minutes into the discussion, something tells you, stand up, get up from there. And some people get angry and say, oh God, I failed again. No. As long as there's a talk in your spirit that tells you, you do not belong in that group, that means you're still in connection with God. Hallelujah. You're different. Daring to be different. Number five or number six, there are people who have stopped to stretch because of sin. I want us to know tonight, many times people say, why bother to do anything with a God who is always angry with me? He's angry anyway. I did something wrong. No. The Bible tells us in 1 John, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins and forsake them, faithful is he. Faithful and just is he. Who also has to what? Who will forgive us all our trespasses. He will cleanse us from all trespasses. If we walk in the light as is in the light, the Bible tells us we have fellowship one with another and with, with his, we have fellowship one with, another, one with another and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Sinful lifestyle. Sinful lifestyle can end us from stretching. Let's read a story tonight that is a very classical story. Second Kings tonight, chapter 7. I want us to read the story of what it means to stretch. Second Kings, chapter 7. Familiar story, but interesting story. Are we there together? Second Kings chapter 7. The scripture says in verse 1, Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Tomorrow about this time, see, see of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel. And two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer who's and the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could these things be? He only asked a question. But there are some stupid questions you don't ask when it comes to God. Standing before a prophet of God. This question was not an honest question. God loves to answer questions. It was a sarcasm. May I say it again? It was a what? A sarcasm. Sarcasm is different from honest question. When somebody is truly inquisitive, God loves to answer questions. But this man was sarcastic. He was like disdaining what the man of God had said. Could these things be? And he said, in fact, you should see it with your eyes, or you shall not hear of it. And so it was. He saw it, but didn't hear out of it. 
Verse 3. Is, this is the core part of my discussion. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said one to another, Why are we sitting here until we die? I want us to listen to the story of this man. Four leprous men. Israel. There was a battle against Israel. They were still preparing for battle. And why they were doing that, the Bible says here, the Syrians were setting up the battle in Israel against Israel. But there were these four leprous men who said to themselves, why sit we here till we die? Hallelujah. Why do we want to sit here? Why do we want to remain in a position? If we stay here, there is famine, we will die anyway. If we go to the city, there is famine there, we will die anyway. Why not get out of here? Why not stretch beyond our limits? Don't forget leprosy in the land of Israel. It was one of the most dangerous sicknesses or diseases that anybody could have. They were considered to be outcasts. They were ostracized from the entire city when they were leprous. Unlike today when we have almost cure for leprosy. There was no cure. And these four men said to themselves, I want us to read the first, the number four. If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city. We shall die there. If we sit here, we die also. Now therefore, come. Let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. I want us to mark in your Bible, only die. <laughs> we shall only die. What does it mean to say we shall only die? This sounds to me like what Esther said. If, we per if I perish, I perish. We shall only die. It's just about death. We will die anyway. If we stay here, there is famine. If we go to the city, there is famine. Let's go into the hand of the enemy. Let's stretch ourselves. But guess what was going on? Why the discussion was going on? They did not know there was a divine provision. The Bible says in verse 5, And they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to, to their surprise, there was no one there. What happened? Hallelujah. In verse 6, the Bible says, For the Lord God had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of the chariots and the noise of the horses and the noise of the great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the cup intact. There their tent, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. Look at what happened. That was a flipping of the circumstance. These people were saying to themselves, we got to get out of here and get into the hands of our enemy. But the armies of Syria had already fled, thinking that God has set the battle array against them. But who are the people coming? Four people who, who were leprous that were coming. And they were hearing the sounds of the chariots. Do you know what I noticed in this place? That they were determined to stretch. God will make an advanced provision for you. Did you hear what I just said? The day we make up our minds, Lord, I'm making up my mind today to stretch. Something will break open in the spirit. Hallelujah. Do you know there was a story of John F. Kennedy that I read not too long ago? I was reading this story. He said when his, father, his grandfather was growing up, that in those days there were walls that were about 12 feet tall around the neighborhood. They grew up in Ireland. And he said, one of the days, all the children, all the children were always looking at those walls, and they were 
contemplating one day of climbing to those walls and seeing what's on the other side of the wall. I'm not saying it's a good thing to do, but that was the story. But he wanted to prove a point. He said one of those days while they were going, his grandfather did something. Took off his hat and threw it on top of the wall. And everyone said, what? What did you do? The hat was there. And the parent must not see him coming home without a hat. He said to himself, two things I have to do. He said, I go home and I'm beaten. Or I stay here and climb this wall to get the hat. Guess what happened? Guess what happened? He, climbed, he climbed the wall to get the hat. And the, and the friend said, well, it is not difficult after all. We can all do it. Somebody chose, he just decided to throw it up there. Wanted to prove a point that nothing is impossible if you choose to stretch. I was reading a story. I read so many stories about Charles. There was a man called Charles who wanted to fly across the Atlantic. They said in one of his trips, while he was flying in the air, he said he got to some part of the United States and he was saying to himself, there are places to, you know, to land my planes here if anything goes wrong up there. But according to the story, one time while he was flying, he just looked down. He noticed there were no lands anymore. All he saw were seas and waters. And what was he seeing? He was seeing the Atlantic. And he said to him, there is no place to land now. The only thing I can continue to do is to keep going. You know, many times in life when we have alternatives, it's easy to back, to back out. Hallelujah. It's easy to stop trying when you have alternatives. But when God wants to work in our lives, there are dimensions in our lives when it comes to destiny and purpose. When God wants to go beyond yourself and say, Lord, I just depend on you. And I know you can do it. Stretch it. I'll give us a few examples tonight. Stretching keeps you on top. Number one, in marriage, we stretch. I know men are going to see this. Do we understand that when we first met our spouses, we really stretched. There was nothing we didn't do to get their attention. For many men. Is that true? You bought all sorts of cards. You sent letters after letters. I remember sending many letters. I can't remember rewriting another letter in a long time. <laughs> And I said to myself, I'm being honest. Even in the olden days, many of those men did a lot. But when marriage is done, if we do half of what we did before those women came into the houses, into our homes, if we did half of those, homes will have been much better. Am I correct, ladies? Yes. Ah, my brother, I'm right. <laughs> what happened was that we were stretching. Interestingly, we know we have Valentine tomorrow. We were stretching before those women came into our homes. After they came in, we stopped stretching. Do you know the five and six? I'm going to turn the other way around. And I know our late sisters are going to see this. You know, you know the five and six? Many of us men couldn't sleep through the night. You were always having dreams about the lady and all the time. Dreaming and dreaming, always in the fantasy land. But I wonder how many men have dreamt after they, after they were married. <laughs> the dreams were gone. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> On the flip side, I know for sisters too, our dreams were high. We saw those men, we said, okay, you know, we're trusting God, things are going to be different. But after we're married, and we respected them. And I noticed that one of the things that keep me going is respect. It's the truth. When a man is disrespected, he feels as if he's nothing. 
Meanwhile, before we got married to them, we respected them. If many of us ladies can continue with those respect, it will have been wonderful. We wonder the secrets of those many old women. They bring food to their husband's table. They nail. I'm not saying we should do it. But I'm saying they brought food. Am I right, man? They brought those food and they net by the table. It did not reduce those women. It added values to them. I know we're going to contest it, but that's the truth. It added values to them. The truth about the matter is their children saw it. And they respected their mom, not for what she's, not just for anything, the food she's preparing, but for the regard and the respect she had for that man. And many of those girls, seeing that growing up, imbibed those culture. So much so, it began to affect their lives long after they were married. I met a lady this week who told me, she said, I don't know who to marry. She said, my parents have been married, she's, she's Caucasian, for 40 years. She said, all I saw them did was to argue, and they resolved it right there. She said, when I look at them, sometimes they annoy me because they are playing as if they're 17-year-old. And now, she said, now, we're all grown up and we're all working, and when we get back and we look at them and they're playing as if they're babies, and we say, what is wrong with these ones? She said, I wonder if I can find a man like that. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. May the Lord help us as a people that we can keep the fervency, the heat, and the steam in our homes. Strong, powerful, as it was before we came to know each other so intimately. When children come in, they take their place, they take up their places in our homes. And sisters, let's watch out for that. And brothers too. We can be so, so you know, used to the children. And they're hearing what I'm saying. That we've forgotten the first love that we have for those spouses. Don't let us leave those things behind. Men may not see anything, but they see it. Number two. I know. <laughs> We're quiet now. In the same manner, when we get new jobs, how many of us know that when we get new jobs, we stretch a lot. We want to prove to the new boss, ah, I remember I saw somebody said, they said the job starts at night. I said, I'll be here at 8 o'clock. And he didn't say at 8 o'clock. He will wait an hour before the job begins. <laughs> Why? Because it's new. You just got a new experience. We stretched. <laughs> how many of us, if we continue with the fervency of our commitment, when we started, we would have been promoted a thousand times over because the boss would have been overly convinced. Do you know some of the prayers we're praying for promotion? Some of us need to pray for repentance before we pray for promotion. Because six months after we got into the job, we started going late to work. We started calling out sick. <laughs> calling out sick. And calling out sick. And calling out sick. Because we stopped stretching. But when we first started, we had strength we had commitment, we had vision, we were excited. We couldn't wait for the paychecks to come. Even when the paychecks come, we say, ah, I can't wait for the next day. It's as if you couldn't sleep all night for that job to come. Stretching stopped. We started to shrink. And you know what happened? When we shrink, we fail. Number three. I also noticed that when we keep the comfort zone in our life, do you know I noticed that there was this statement that somebody says, if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, 
will have had many Christmas. He said, many times we give all sorts of ifs and buts. You know, I could have done this, if this. You could have done this, but this. There are so many excuses we give of things we could have done right, but because we didn't do them right. Now we have gone into our comfort zone. God is saying, you need to stretch. Your destiny depends on our destiny depends on how much you're stretching. Many of us believe that when we first knew Jesus, we couldn't stay three days without praying at night. Have we noticed today, years after, we can stay two months and not even remember to have a quiet time? We stop stretching. How many of us think that the commitment and the fervency we had with the Lord at the beginning, if we maintain today, do you know what I noticed? This church will not remain the same. Is that correct, man? The commitment we had when we first knew Jesus. I could talk to anything about Jesus when I first knew Jesus. The goats, the animals around the house, I preached Jesus to everything. In my street, everybody knew there was Jesus in heaven. Because every evening, I was in every home telling them about Jesus, sharing the scriptures. And you know what I found out? When I did, people gravitated towards it. People came. They wanted to know more about God. You never know the hunger and the thirst in the hearts of people until you give them what you have. Number two. I'm going to close soon. Number two. In fulfilling the destiny of God for our lives, number two important issue, apart from stretching, is to look at the area of influence. I wrote that here. Influence is one of the most discontinuous elements of life. But for those who are on the path to a destination, it is essential. It is easy to play down on influence. Influence is great. Influence can determine where we're going to be tomorrow. Influence is critical to our relationship with God. The question that I have, I wrote so many questions down, but one of them I wrote down is this. I mentioned that who speaks into your life as a person? The person has an influence on your life. Whoever speaks into your life does what? Has an influence on you. Many of us have not realized that. That the people who speak to you from time to time, they tend to play a major role in what you believe. Because you see, as humans, what we believe is based on what we hear. Who speaks into your life? Number two, who is your best friend and closest buddy? That's another question of influence. Many of us have not realized how much influence can come from people we thought are insignificant, but they can affect our lives. Closest body. And those we consider to be insignificant. I read a story recently of a man called Christopher. Christopher was, had a major congenital problem as a child. And Christopher, while growing up, you know, became blinded and couldn't see. And they somehow, they got a young um, university student to go to Christopher's house to help Christopher to develop. Because he was, he was also young, but they were also training the university board. When this college boy went to Christopher's house, he was always talking to Christopher about the fact that you need to get, you know, though you can't see too much, he was legally blind. He was telling Christopher how to tie his shoes and all that. That's all he wanted. He wanted to achieve that, to achieve other things. And Christopher said, no, I can't do it. And the man said, yes, you can do it. He said, no, I can't do it. He said, for the first time in his life, he saw somebody repeating something wrong continuously at the point he had to stop because Christopher wouldn't listen. He said, you know what? I can't see. I can't tie my shoe. I can't see. I can't tie my shoe. 
He said he kept working on him. He said to Christopher one day, he said, I will spend the rest of my life. I will spend the rest of my months, the rest of my days to make sure you learn how to tie your shoes. But after a few days, after a few weeks, he got tired. He came back home one day. He thought, of it, he thought to himself and said, you know what? I can't do this. It's impossible. Christopher is not learning anything. So he was going back to tell them, to the principal and the teachers that, well, this is it. I think I'm going to stop at this level. I've done what I needed to do with Christopher. Somebody else may take over from me. While he was talking to Christopher, Christopher said, no, you can't. No, you can. You can do it. And he said, no, I can't anymore. <laughs> that, that was a reverse situation because Christopher was saying, I can't before. He was saying, you can. Now he's saying, I can't. And Christopher said, yes, you can. He said, when Christopher came out, Christopher went up the steps with his shoes tied. That during that period, he never knew how much impact he had had on Christopher's life. He said, before he left that place, his orientation about life changed. That the, how much influence, it was about... Um, it was in his 50s the time he was talking about this. He said, up between the time he was about 22 years old till he was 50, he said that was one person that had played a major influence in his life. That when he thought he was going to quit, he was close to the miracle. That many times in our lives, we can be so close to the miracle, but watch those who have influence on your life. Number three, who do you respect? Those are the people that will place you know, influence on your life. You know, wh what's the value of the people you respect? What is their belief? What is their belief? As believers, Jesus, the Bible says in the book of Romans, uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible says, looking on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The question is, who is our example? Who do we respect? What also determines the influence around our life? Number four question. Who do you call first when things go wrong in your life? Amen. That sounds like a funny question. How many of us know that when things go wrong, all of us have an, an inclination to call somebody? Who do you call first? Who is your first point of call? Who is your first point of call? Number five. What association do we keep? It plays influence on your life. Number, number six. What is the gravitating force around your life? What is the gravitating force around your life? What is it that gravitates men to you and women to you? What is it that gravitates, what is the force that drags you to other people in their lives? It could determine the kind of influence that, is being, that you're having in your life. Number seven, what do you take away from people? And what do you bring back to them? It's important in our lives. I, know recent, I discovered recently that when you think you're nobody, there are people that have been touched by your lives every day, by our lives, by every day. Do we realize that? Will you, if many of us realize that right from our home, our children are looking, that's the first pointer of influence. They're watching. How many people are tied to our lives every day? The way we handle crisis when crisis comes. The way we handle difficulty, they're watching. If many of us will perceive how much we're affecting other people's lives, maybe it will inform what influences that we're having on other people's lives and what influences they're having on our lives. Let me give us an example on those who influence us. I was reading 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul was talking to Timothy. He said, do you remember that the Holy Scripture which you have learned from your grandmother, Louise, and your mother while you were a little child? So the influence in the life of Timothy 
came primarily from his grandmother and also from his mother. The question today is this, who is having influence on our lives? Do you know what I noticed? Those who have influence on our lives will determine how far we go in life. They will. And that's why we need to be careful. We need to be circumspect. We need to be determined in our heart. Who is having an impact on my life? Who do I listen to? Who do I gravitate towards? There are people that are believers. You need to, you know, you need to read what they write and say, what is the most important thing to you? You will understand their mind. Show me your friend. I will tell who you're going to become. Show me your friend. I was reading this story by Rehoboam in 1 Kings chapter 12. Do we remember the story of Rehoboam? Rehoboam was the son of Solomon. He was a rare apparatus to the throne. He was next in throne to the king, Solomon. He was to take over. When he took over from Solomon, when Solomon died, the Bible tells us that when Solomon died, Rehoboam took up the government of the land and they went to the elders and said, the people of the land had come to me to ask me if I should reduce their body now that my father has died. The elder said, do exactly what the people said. You know what Rehoboam did? Rehoboam left the elders, rejected what they said, went to his own courts, his own bodies, and said, what do you guys think? And they said, what did the elders say? The elders said, we should listen to them. They said, no, don't listen to them. Increase their body. Multiply their labor. Whatever your father has done, increase the, the, the labor on the people. And you know what the people said? Immediately, he said that to them. When the people came back, the people said, to your tent, O Israel. Maybe we've heard that before in the scripture. To your tent, O Israel. All the sons of David, to your tent. They abandoned him. Rehoboam lost 10 kingdoms out of 12. Why? Influence. If you had listened to the elders, his life would have been different. But he listened to the young ones who had no experience, who had no understanding, who knew where the people were coming from, who knew where the people were going. Influence. Hallelujah. And the last I'm going to talk about tonight as we go, Start from where you are. If we're going to reach our destiny in God, we must learn to start from where we are. I know you don't have much, but start with what you have. I know it's great businesses, great destinies, great things start small. We must understand that God understands that. He said your beginning may be small. Job chapter 8 verse 7. But your latter hand will greatly increase. I want to say to us tonight, your latter hand will increase if we understand to start from where we are. We may not have many things, but the little we have, let's begin to build on it. Whatever gifting God has given to you, build on it. Start where you are. If you know how to sing a single song, begin to sing it in a different way. Learn more how others do it. If we do that, those are particular essentials to our destiny. You never know what you're going to become because you look at others, you look at how far they are, start from where you are. The little you have, treasure it. Develop it. And it will surprise us where we're going to be in the next coming days. May the Lord bless us and may the Lord increase us. I believe that this year we're going to reach our destinies in God. I believe that every moment of our days from now, things will be different in our lives. Because God will lead us into the essentials of destiny. Let's rise up to pray. Let's rise up to pray tonight. Essentials of destiny. Hallelujah. Essentials of destiny. Hallelujah tonight. I want us to begin to speak to the Lord tonight. I say, Lord, I just thank you because of the purpose for which you have for my life. I thank you for your divine plan. I thank you, Father, because I have my own plans, but your plan is superior to my plan. 
and your plan is more important than my plan. Your plan is better than my plan. Your plan is a plan of peace, is a plan of good that I may have a future and a hope. Yes, Lord Jesus. Yes, our Father, tonight I want to thank you for your plan and purpose for my life. I glorify you tonight. Yes, Lord Jesus, we look up to you tonight. I want us to pray tonight, Lord, in any way in my life that I've stopped stretching, Lord, give me grace to stretch, oh God, from tonight. Give me grace to go extra mile in the name of Jesus. You might walk with you. Give me Lord, give me grace to begin to study your word in a new dimension. Lord, give me grace to begin to pray. Some of us just need to spend about 15 minutes with the Lord at night. So just say, Lord, this 15 minutes is yours. And you do it consistently. Great habits are formed in a simple way. When we form good habits, it becomes part of our lives. The same way the bad habits are difficult to break. And I have noticed that the greatest way to break bad habits is to introduce a good one. So introduce a good one. I want us to pray to the Lord, give me grace to work with you. Give me grace to stretch in the spirit. Yes, our Father, I commit myself to you tonight, oh God. Yes, Lord. Can we pray on a day like this that we're celebrating Valentine and say, Lord, give me grace to stretch in my home. To my spouse, let me do extra more. Lord, give me the grace to remember my initial love, my first love. And Lord, and just remember my spouse, Lord, and, and just do extra. Lord, the things that I think helped us to be together in the first place. Lord, remind me of those things, oh God. Many of men, most men will just ask the Lord to help us. To be indeed men and women, men, men of understanding, men, men of wit, men of wisdom. Let's pray that we will not outgrow our usefulness in thy home. Let's pray we will be relevant to our spouses. That the grace of God will be made available to us each. To us all. To be able to do what God wants us to do in our homes. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Tonight we give you praise. I want us to pray, Lord, tonight. I receive grace to start where I am. The gift that you have given to me, I want to start where I am. I want to build on it. I know you have a great plan for my life, but I want to start from where I am now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want us to repent of the people who have had bad influences over our lives. You may not, we may not discover it. The people you spend your time with, you need to evaluate what are their values. What do they believe? What do they stand for? They have a subtle influence on our lives. Let's pray tonight, Lord, give me grace to do it right. Give me grace to have positive influence on other people's lives. Lord, help me to limit the influence of other people that are wrong in my life. Give me grace to find the right people. And allow their influences on my life. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. One of the things that I've found useful as a person is reading. 
Reading is important to our lives. It helps us. When we make a demand on the Lord and say, Lord, I'm just decided to spend time with you. I was sharing with this with, with this uh, brothers tonight that I said, week after week, I just thank God. As we make up our minds on what we want in life, God will give us a way out. I was telling them one day, I, I finished listening to the book of Hebrews. I just got an iPod and I just, list, I just put it in the car and a blast in the car. I listened to the entire Proverbs on my way to work. Finish half of, almost half of Psalm on my way back. And you know what? Those things stay in your spirit. The things we hear are very important. When you hear those things day after day, day after day, our spirit man is being energized. Hallelujah. The things that you're used to be susceptible to, you're not going to be susceptible to them again. Like I mentioned, the best way to break bad habit is to develop good ones. Let's close our eyes to prayer. Father, tonight is one of those nights that we're relaxed and we're talking to each other as brothers and sisters. Lord, tonight we know that you have been faithful in keeping us and sustaining us. Thank you for those that have gone ahead of us, that you have used their lives as an incredible example for us. We read tonight of those four lepers. We don't want to be identified with lepers, but they did a great job of showing us how to stretch. We remember David. We remember how he stretched himself, even though it was against an impossible battle against Goliath. But he stretched. Lord, we quit stretching a long time ago. We ask to know that you will forgive us. Lord, you will deliver us. That from this moment onward, Lord, we have a vision of a future you have for us. Father, give us grace to reach those potentials and to fulfill our destiny in you. In the name of Jesus, deliver us from bad influences around our lives. The words that men say, the things that they do, Lord, deliver us from them. The only person that is bona fide to affect our life is Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, we receive grace tonight to constantly look unto Jesus, to constantly look into the word and the perfect law of liberty. Lord, give us grace that our hearts will be purged of every dead work. Dead works. Dead works of lust. Dead works of anger. Dead works of influence on the world. That we may be pure and holy before you. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we know when we are holy, we know we have access to you. Our prayer lives will be different. Thank you, Father, tonight. We pray for our children tonight. Help them to stretch. Give them the spirit of excellence. Thank you, Lord. I pray for every family in this place tonight. That the fire of love, the steam of love, will be restored in those families. Let our husbands and our wives begin to come in the fervency of the same love that we originally had from the beginning. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you glory. We bless your name tonight. In Jesus' precious name. And amen.